All right, hello, Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 351 of Blast Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we're part of the Pirate Nation this week. We're talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 21, The Pirate. Luckily, I don't think there's a citizenship test to join the Pirate Nation. I think you can just, you just have to show up. It's got to be a weirdo. If you, if you got a sweater on, maybe that helps. <laughs> if you're a goofball, dog face man. Or you like to drink in schools. <laughs> it's all it takes. Right away, though, when the episode title came on and it was The Pirate, it's like, oh boy, here we go. We were wondering when our king would come back and here he is. So yeah, let's talk about it. The Return of the King, Gorian Shard. We pretty much knew this was going to happen, but there was always that little bit of a doubt because you never know what this show, like what it's going to do or if it's going to throw you a curveball. But yeah, when the episode started and the camera pans down over Navarro, it was like, okay. And they showed him in the in the recap. So I was like, okay, I think I think this is what I think it is going to be. And then, you know, just a couple seconds of grief doing his uh, high grand, what is he called? The Grand Magistrate. The Grand Magistrate. Thank you. I was going to say Grand Marshal, but he's not leading a parade. <laughs> he should, next time we see the Dave Navarro planet, he, he should be like leading a parade down the street with the, the Dave Navarro all alien jazz band right behind him and all the, the wonderful citizens of Navarro. But yeah, the pirate ship shows up and it's like... Gorian Shard is already incredible and beautiful, and just seeing his his real face would have been enough, but the fact that we get reintroduced to him as a giant, crumpy hologram is just, it doesn't get any better than that. I've, I've watched this episode three times now, and I think it was the third time I was like taking notes for this episode, and I realized, I was like, wait, I don't know what they're talking about. And I was like, the... the, the all the times I've watched this episode, I've never paid attention to what they're talking about because I'm just taking in that giant hologram of Gorian Shard's head and his flappy Muppet mouth, like his like Cookie Monster mouth. It's so crazy. And I'm like looking at his eyes and stuff, but mostly I'm just looking at that flapping Muppet mouth. His mouth is all, all choppy and jerky, and it's like, is that because it's a hologram? Or is that because he's a puppet? Is that just how he talks? However, whatever, it's just, it's incredible. And that's the the best way to bring him back is in a full screen giant hologram of his face. And he's just arguing with grief. Because just having Carl Weathers arguing with a hologram is a recipe for success. And then when you make that hologram, yeah, the, the pirate king, Gorian Shard. The, the visual of Gorian Shard, of course, is incredible. It's, it's so insane. I, I'm not, it's like, it's a yeah, giant, like animatronic puppet face. But then also part of it is like this kind of regal kind of voice to it too. It's like, I'm trying to like, really like now that we're really getting comfortable with our King Gorian Shard, I'm like trying to analyze why do I love him so much? What are these feelings I'm feeling? <laughs> he's He's got a little bit of that Captain Kennedy voice going on where he's just very... Very calm and, and uh, captainly. 
And then the the fact that they go full on pirate music whenever they're around too just adds to it. <laughs> like even when the title "The Pirate" came on the episode, and it was like, yeah, like this, like yo ho, yo ho, like like you expect Jack Sparrow to come like stumbling out or something. Yeah, it's like, oh man, they're really going for it. And I love that his crew are all like idiots and stuff, and. We see the warthog guy with the giant steering wheel and he gets frustrated and Gordon Shard has to take the wheel and stuff. It's just, I don't know. I could just look at Gordon Shard like all day long, like a be- like a photo of like a, a beautiful person and just analyze their beauty. Yeah, he's a, he's a beautiful captain. He has a beautiful ship. He's a wonderful crew of goofball aliens. There's the Ugna in a sweater. It's like, come on, come on. We're still trying to get over the hologram. And then what, in the middle of the episode? Is it the middle of the episode? I think they make us wait a little bit before they show up because we wouldn't be able to handle it that soon. But yeah, the Ugnot in a sweater. And he kind of looks like, uh, was it Smee from Peter Pan? Peter Pan's little goofy, goofy assistant that had a sweater. Now that you say that too, it's so like obvious why I didn't even think about that before. Just how much the whole pirate thing is more peter pan than anything else because the mandalorians are pretty much peter and his friends because they can fly (laughs) so it is very much peter pan this season in peter pan there was like a crocodile and stuff and we've had like giant space crocodiles and big dinosaur crocodiles yeah maybe that's a that's a whole thing going on with this season like some kind of weird peter pan thing and it's like are the mandalorians ready to grow up or do they still want to be a boy oh wow yeah so maybe yeah Hmm. But you know, jumping ahead a little bit in the episode, like we'll we'll get into it again when we when we start getting into the chunky bits. But Captain Gorian Shard, the beautiful, beautiful Captain Gorian Shard, his ship like goes down in flames on the Dave Navarro planet. But I don't I don't think that's the last we're seeing of him because pirates, especially evil pirate captains, have hook hands. And peg legs and stuff like nothing can stop them. And I don't. I don't think he's gone. You know, in in my dreams late at night, I think about Admiral Trench so much and how he was a wonderful Spider General, and then he we thought he died and he came back as a wonderful Cyborg Spider General. So it's happened in the past. Maybe maybe it'll happen again. How do you make a plant based Pirate King even better? You put robot parts on him, so we we can dream. <laughs> We don't know about his physiology. We don't know like how he could survive. Like what we've never seen that species, the plant species before in Star Wars. So I'm keeping all possibilities open for the return of Captain Gorian Shard and the Pirate Nation. It's like he looks like Swamp Thing and when in the Swamp Thing movie when he got his arm cut off, right? He just had to put his stub in the sun and he grew a new arm. So it gets sunny on Navarro, so maybe he can just grow some new parts. That hologram, though, that seriously almost wrecked me. I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to watching it again eventually and actually paying attention to what him and Grief are saying. <laughs> you need to get a big piece of cardboard and put it over the top half of the TV in terms of, and turn subtitles on so you can just read the dialogue without being distracted by the hologram. Just close my eyes. Just put my hands over my eyes. Put a night mask on so I can't look. That's the, that's the new thing. Every Wednesday, I listen to the episode first with my eyes closed, and then I go back and watch it with my eyes turned on so I can know what's going on. 
so you don't get distracted by Ugnots and sweaters. Yeah, it's the only way to know what's happening. Gotta close your eyes. So this episode, though, this episode is what I love about Chapter 21, The Pirate, is it's 40-something minutes of complete and total anti-authority good times. All of this episode, it, like the New Republic isn't working. Okay, we're just going to do it ourselves and get this done. Like the old ways of the Mandalorians, that's not going to work for us to retake Mandalore. We got to change the the way we were. This is the way. We this is the new way and we're going to do it ourselves. It's got a very much like George Lucas making Star Wars 1977. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to do it my way. Everybody better catch up with me kind of thing to it, which I kind of loved because I was like, we've got this New Republic storyline and we've got this Mandalorian storyline. And I was like, what what do these two have in common? What's this episode saying? And it really is the old ways suck. The system sucks. Do it yourself. You're going to be happier. And I was like, that is so George Lucas. Right. Don't just say things are different or or you're going to change. You actually have to put in the work and, and shake things up. Otherwise, yeah, you end up with the New Republic, which is basically just the Empire, but even more more inefficient at this point where they, they can't really do anything. Well, it's like the New Republic is so irritating because, yeah, it's like like we were saying last week or the week before, I can't remember, like the dream of Andor, the dream of Luthen and Mon Mothma to have the new Republic. And it's like, now you have it and it's almost worse than the empire because the empire, at least they were just blatantly like, yeah, we're evil. We just want to, we we're, we just want to kill everybody and we don't care because we're evil and we're the empire. And like Palpatine is our leader. Have you looked at him? You know, like that's what we're doing. But like the new Republic is almost worse because it's under like this fake, thing of like we said with the Pershing episode like this painted on smiley face of we're not the empire anymore but they're just they're they're like inefficient like everything is so like bureaucratic and paperwork and everything has to be approved where yeah like this episode where there's a pirate king potentially killing innocent people on this outer rim planet and they're just like, oh, we can't, we, uh, you know, that would take a lot of work. And it's like, no, you just put people in an X-Wing and go take care of it. Right. You have people just sitting at a bar that have Y-Wings and X-Wings just waiting for something to do. But it's true. Yeah, it's like the New Republic is all talk. There's no there's no action as opposed to the Empire, which had a lot of action, but it was it was evil action. And yeah, now kind of seeing the the other side of that where it's like yeah they're the good guys but if you're the good guys and you don't do anything or you just only talk about stuff then are you really the good guys are you really any better and i yeah and that's the thing i just love what this episode is saying with carson tiva kind of just doing it himself actually making change happen like the thing we've been talking about for this whole season this running theme of change and like what this episode is kind of saying like okay when the time for change comes just do it. Like, don't be afraid and just do it. And we see that with Carson Tiva. And we see that amazingly with the armorer and Bo Katan, where the armorer, that's probably a huge moment of change for her to tell Bo Katan to take her helmet off and to say flat out the way 
we have been doing, the children of the watch. We're not doing that anymore. And if we're going to retake Mandalore, we have to work together. And like Bo-Katan to basically be like, I am going to respect your beliefs. Yeah, that the only way for them to work together is, is they both need to change enough to accept each other and work together. And it's like we again like the thing coming off of last week where it's not so much about cults as it is about just not being prejudiced against the way other people believe in what the Mandalorian way is. Like they all believe in the way and walking the way of the Mandalore and all that stuff, but they just believe it in different ways and everyone can agree on the core ideas of being a Mandalorian and Bo-Katan doesn't have to wear her helmet all the time. If she doesn't want to, that's great. And the armor kind of being like, Hey, we've all got to chill out. If we're going <laughs> to, if we're going to survive, if we're going to, what they say, live in the sun again and all that stuff. Everybody has their, their weird traditions and habits and things that they do. And just because their weird things are different than your weird things. doesn't mean, they're any more weird than the weird stuff you do. It's just, you know, just got to accept everybody's uniqueness. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's scary. Yeah. The other thing now we've gotten, what, five episodes in that I was thinking about is I wonder if a lot of this New Republic stuff was originally supposed to be that Rangers of the New Republic show. And if that show would have happened, if that would have been a lot of these kind of storylines that they're they're mixing into Mandalorian now with the New Republic bureaucracy and the in the X-Wing squadron and all that and and they decided just to kind of fold that into Mando. It sure kind of seems like it especially with this episode. It definitely kind of feels like it cuz this episode was kind of Rangers of the New Republic in a way. With the first course on one with Dr. Pershing, it's kind of like, oh, it's Dr. Pershing. It kind of fits in with Mando. But yeah, with this one even more, it's like, oh, it does seem like there's there's this side story going on with the New Republic that would have made sense to, you know, at us at one time being its own separate series. But it's kind of cool that they're mixing it in because it just kind of gives another perspective to what's going on with the with the Mandalorians. And and like you said, it's kind of like with Book of Boba too. It's like even the, all these spinoff shows if they would have been spinoff shows kind of are still dealing with the same themes and and kind of all go together more so than it might seem on the surface which i'm really enjoying like again, i'm really enjoying this season of the mandalorian season three and how different it is from the previous two seasons how the story is getting simultaneously bigger and more focused at the same time. Like we said before, how previous seasons there were kind of more, this week Mando's going to this planet, and he's doing this, and this week he's going to that planet, and he's doing this, and he's meeting this person. And that's still in a way is kind of happening, but we're getting this bigger story with the Mandalorian clans coming together at the same time. And the story is going to Coruscant. And like we said, we're getting this new Republic stories. And it's kind of like each season, Din's family's just getting bigger. Cause the first season was really, he was, he, it was him and all he worried about was him. And then Grogu shows up and kind of changes that. And season two is kind of him and Grogu coming to terms that with their relationship and becoming a family. And now season three, it's like 
back to the bigger family of the Children of the Watch and the even bigger family of all the Mandalorians and then the even bigger family of the New Republic. And it's growing each season as far as who who is part of Din's family. And now he has cousins that are dragon babies. <laughs> Where were the dragon babies this episode? Why weren't the dragon babies part of the meeting down in the cave? Why didn't they have a say? When someone, <laughs> the armorer should have been like, and dragon babies, what do you think? They're like, ah! They knew after the Gorian hologram that we couldn't handle dragon babies in the same episode. <laughs> maybe they'd be full grown now, just shriekhawking. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we don't know how fast they grow. Maybe they only need to eat one kid and then they're like full grown. Maybe they don't eat the kid. They just suck on them. They just it's like a Jolly Rancher. Just suck out. It's like, I don't want to. I can't eat that best car steel. I just want to suck some juice. Maybe they don't have to take baths anymore. They just let the dragon babies lick them clean. Everybody wins. That's that's season four. It's going to be announced <laughs> next week at Celebration. Favreau's going to come out and be like, well, I heard you all like the dragon babies. That's going to be the book of dragon babies. That's going to be the next spinoff. The baby book of dragons. <laughs> Today, dragon baby said its first words. I'd watch it. Yeah. Slave One comes with frozen Han Solo. Is Han Solo completely frozen Stormtrooper? Yes, Boba Fett. Action figures each sold separately. Place them in the prisoner retention unit. Slave One has a rear loading ramp. Prepare for takeoff. Check. Movable cannons and gravity-operated wings that trigger lock. On the Jabba. Slave One with frozen Han Solo from Kenner's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. do what we do let's go through the episode talk about all the chunky bits all the fun stuff going on in chapter 21 the pirate so yeah we open up on the dave navarro planet and i love yeah grief talking to the fancy people how they're just nodding his uh, architects and engineers <laughs> so, let's move the trade district closer to the shop the shipping terminal this part reminded me though right away and i this is probably just me of i love especially like in the first two death wish movies that bronson paul kersey he's like an architect in the spare time <laughs> and at night he goes out and he's just like shooting people on the subway and just in the middle of the street in new york city but during the day he's like in the shopping mall's going to go right there <laughs> like doesn't even care about what he's doing in the night he's like batman he can just go back to being a mild-mannered architect like okay let's let's talk to the people about the shopping center well you know that's kind of grief right <laughs> you know just a little bit in reverse he just started as the guy shooting people on the street and now he's transitioned to just being an architect by day the end of this episode the whole assault on dave navarro it's kind of death wish three Maybe. Yeah. The people rise up against the, the pirate gang that took over their city. Yeah. There's a lot of death wish in here. You know, and the pirate gang is kind of like the, the crazy gang in from Death Wish 3. Yeah. Chicken's good. I like chicken. 
So there's a bunch of commotion in the streets of Dave Navarro, and the pirate ship is overhead. And yes, the giant hologram of Gorian Shard's head and his Muppet mouth. And I, lo- I love how they're just like back and forth talking about like who shot first. And I'm like, it's a little cheeky, but it's also, I was like, oh, I'm with it. I'm cool with it. He shot first. Well, now I will shoot first. If they're not actually referring to Han, I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> it's Grief Karga talking to a pirate head hologram. It's all good. It's so good. And Grief actually gets like nervous and scared for the first time, I think, in in the whole show. Other than maybe when that dragon thing was gonna eat him. Or when he thought and then when he thought Grogu was gonna eat him. Those are the only times we've seen him scared. <laughs> Kyle Weathers, though, is so good. Just across, he's you know amazing director, and he's so like funny in this episode, and you believe him as kind of this leader of the Dave Navarro planet. I, he's just a goofy, tough guy, and like you believe both. You believe that he could rip your arms off without thinking twice, and then you also believe that he's actually excited about where the shopping district is or whatever, and and he loves wearing a big fancy cape, having his droid assistant and stuff. Yeah. Naming all the parts of this city. Like, we're going to set you up over by Bullock Canyon and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, that was something uh, uh, Brandon from Talking Bay 94 noticed. The Bullock Canden, Canyon, I think they call it towards the end of the episode, is a little sly reference to Jeremy Bullock, which is really nice. Oh, yeah. I love Gorian Shard's big ship overhead just firing on the city. And it's... It sounds like and looks like it's like a pirate ship dropping like cannonballs. It's such a cool ship design. I I just love that it's like it's kind of like a Star Destroyer, but it's kind of smaller, but it actually kind of looks like a pirate ship and that it's open on top. And when the fighters take off, they literally just take off from the top because they just land on top of it. Yeah, it's just cool to see that ship flying around, shooting at stuff. And man, the uh, the opticals in this episode are incredible. <laughs> the graphics, the cool graphics. All the ship action shop shots with uh, with his ship and the little fighters and and uh, Mando's ship and all that is just so so good looking and so cool. Well, it's like we said last week too. It's the visual effects that is going on in. I mean, in this season, it, it was there in Andor. The work ILM is doing, it's crazy. It's beyond like anything we've seen before. Where it's every week, I'm like, what are we watching here? What is a model? What is CG? Also, have you noticed nobody's complaining about the volume this season? Nobody's like, oh, the limitations of the volume and stuff. What are we watching week to week in this show? What's the volume? What's not? We can't tell. I don't know. I never think about it when I'm watching it. I'm just like, they're on Dave Navarro, or, you know, and there's a ship in the sky. It just looks so good. Yeah, it looks as good as a movie. And we're getting literally like a Star Wars movie every week. Every week. And this thing we got later that we're going to be finding out so much more next weekend. We got two more of these things this year. Two more Mandalorian-esque kind of shows in that universe. It's crazy. There's a lot of people working really, really hard on this stuff. And hats off to all of them because this show looks incredible. They could have just put a sweater on an Ugnaught and called it a day and we would have been happy. Fine. They're just, they just keep doing it. They keep putting sweaters on everything. 
Like, we heard you like that sweater on that Mount Calamari. Now we're going to put a sweater on Ugna and give him like a little hat and like some crazy whiskers and a goofy voice. Captain, the ship is sinking or something. I don't know. <sighs> so we get we get a break from the pirate action and we cut to they don't say the name of that planet i don't think right it's a new planet we see a uh x-wing flying in to land we see a bunch of y-wings there's a crazy song playing like this song like we want zigzag beboo yeah it's just like just space blues rock with like a box vocoder voice singing stuff which it's so perfect because it's almost like letting your mind know what's going to happen next by the music because there's a character that you know in universe listens to that kind of music they're not there yet but it's like subconsciously you're getting you're getting ready for it by listening to the to the to the music because yeah we go into the like top gun hotshot bar where all the pilots are hanging out and there's the the director squadron off in the corner drinking together, and the most incredible bartender shows up. It's, it's like a snaggletooth with a pelly wig. <laughs> it's like a wig that they found in a box. Yeah, it's Liam Neeson's wig from the desert that they've they've kept in a Ziploc baggie for twenty five years. It's a little snaggletooth with curl with a with like rock and roll curly hair. Even that, that would be enough. Like, hey, this episode, all you get is a snaggletooth with a curly wig on. I'd be like, good. That's it. Yeah. Bravo. Better than last week. Just keep, it just keeps ramping up the intensity. If it, the whole episode was just a still frame of a snaggletooth with a curly wig on, this is, this is chapter 21 of The Mandalorian. With the music playing. Zigzag, bee boo, flip flop. I'd be like, that was a great moment in star wars history yeah the episode would just be called the bartender brilliant so yeah they got a message for carson tiva with a nice little grief hologram and then the moment that set the world on fire yeah out walks live action zeb what were your thoughts when live action zeb came out i I was kind of in shock but i was kind of like this is crazy that they're like it's awesome that they're, it's no big deal. It's just Zeb. He's just there. And he walks up, says a few words, and then that's it. It's like, yeah, but Zeb, he's probably helping out the New Republic. He's just hanging out at the bar like he, like he would, listening to some space rock. But yeah, it's like, holy cow, it's Zeb. And it looks like Zeb. And he looks like he's really there and he's real. And it sounds like Zeb. And this is kind of incredible. It's so crazy because I remember like when we would talk about like, oh, you know, the Ahsoka show and it's going to be even just like the idea of live action Ahsoka for a while was like, that's crazy. And would they do live action Ezra or live action like Sabine and all this stuff? And as as these things started to become more real, we're like, all this is crazy. But it was always kind of like, what would live action Zeb look like? Would that be too weird? And how would that even work? And now we see it and it's like, that looks great. Yeah, looks like looks like Zeb. And it's another one of those things where I'm like, I kind of should be able to figure out how they're doing this, but I can't really like, okay, I think maybe his head CG, but is his body CG? Or is they just do they have a guy in a Zeb costume there and some of it's real and some of it's not, or is all of it fake? It's like it doesn't matter. It just looks like Zeb. It's so yeah, so insane. 
the lines are so blurred right now. Like we, like I was just saying, like with everything, like with the volume or it's like when, yeah, when Zeb comes out, what are we looking at here? I, we're just looking at Zeb. That's like what matters and it, it works. And I, it's, yeah, it's just so cool. He looks great. I like the, just the whole idea that Zeb became a pilot for the new Republic after the events of rebels. How long has he been doing that? I don't know. Is he going to be a part of the Ahsoka show? Probably, I would guess, at this point. It, this is our first Rebel-specific live-action character we've seen. Right. Well, other than the uh, the space whales. But yeah, right. Because Ahsoka was, you know, Ahsoka goes way back to Clone Wars. And we've seen, you know, what still shots of the back of Sabine's head, I think, haven't we? Yeah. But yeah full-on live-action rebels the world is crazy <laughs> who would have ever thought who would have ever thought when, like, when rebels first came out and we were all like just frothing at the mouth for the force awakens and stuff and we're like this new character zeb and it's based off the ralph macquarie designs for chewbacca and it's like and now in 2023 in season three of this mandalorian show he's at like a space pilot bar and it, oh, it's just so cool and and we're literally in like the first 10 minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All this has happened in the first 10 minutes of the episode. A snaggletooth with a wig on and Zeb, like just, yeah. Oh my God. So what Carson Tiva goes to the new Republic and there's Tim Meadows dressed like general Maydean. <laughs> I, I kept waiting for him to pull one of the, the circle things off of his uh, metal and just start sucking on it like a gumball or pop it open and get chewing gum out of it. It just looks so tasty. But I love also, too, like we were talking about with the Pershing episode in this scene, kind of the Brazilness of it all. Tim Meadows, uh, New Republic general or corporal or whatever he is, he's like, oh, you know, we can't go there. They didn't sign the chart, the charter. And he works in like requisitions. And you're just like, what is all this like bureaucratic paperwork nonsense when someone just wants to get something done, but there's like all these forms and like, oh, they didn't, they didn't sign the thing. And there's, everything's got to be by the book and stuff. And it's like, I love the whole concept of while they're debating the nonsense reasons why the New Republic can't help these people. In comes smiling Ilana Kane as kind of a reminder of the real threat against the New Republic's inefficiency. The remnants of the Empire and what is going to become the First Order can just stroll into the New Republic smiling, pretending like they're just one of you. And like Carson Tiva, like sees the the amnesty program badge on her and gives her like a like a stink look but it's just it's just a perfect little scene that almost seems like a goofy little nothing scene but actually it's saying so much well it's it's funny too again you know we're coming back to so much coruscant in this episode but it's also it's the coruscant of the prequels in a way too where it's like this all the senate scenes where it's like the Senate doesn't get anything done because it's all about committees and discussions and and pu- pushing things on to later. And here it's exactly the same things we saw in Phantom Menace with the Senate, but now it's you know in the the New Republic government. And it's kind of like is is Star Wars political? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's the same sort of stuff. Yeah, that George Lucas was kind of poking fun at and and making a point to bring up in you know the original trilogy and the prequels. And here it still is kind of with the New Republic of this just inefficient bureaucracy and yeah, being all about signing the contracts instead of just doing what's right and 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 fixing things. Somehow, weirdly, this is like maybe one of the most George Lucas episodes of The Mandalorian because it's all about sticking it to the man and the this goofy bureaucracy of government and stuff. And it's it's kind of Phantom Menace, isn't it? It's like the Pirates are the Trade Federation and the New Republic is the Senate. And uh, instead of Chancellor Valorum, we have Tim Meadows. At the end, you know, what did is Qui-Gon and uh, they just show up and save the day. And at the end, it's like, hmm, where's which one was the master and which one was the apprentice? And it's like, oh, Gideon escaped. So, yeah, this is like mini Phantom Menace. The Mandalorians are like Padme and Qui-Gon. Like, no, we're going to fight and we're going to – hey, no, yeah. And they go and they recruit the Gungans. Yeah, that's why we like this episode so much. <laughs> yeah, it is Phantom Menace. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's it, everybody. Good night. Thanks for listening to Blast Points. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Okay, so sad grief leaves, leading his citizens of Navarro to the middle of nowhere. And I love, so next, uh, Carson Tiva goes to the unknown planet. And while, while he was flying there, though, we got to talk about all the cool X-Wing sounds while he's flying there. screens and how did he find them r5 like someone who used to be a part of the alliance and he tells them about grief and dave navarro and i love that carson tiva it's like the the mandalorians are like well, we can kill you because no one no one has no one can know where we are and carson tiva makes a big deal about i won't tell anyone where you are and i I love all that. I'm watching it and I'm like, we don't know where they are. We've never even heard that it's so secret that the show, The Mandalorian, can't tell us the name of the planet. It's not even written in the script. It's so secret. Because if, if we, the viewers, know where the Mandalorians are, then they either they have to move or they have to kill us. Our action figures are going to rise up and kill us. We're, we're going to wake up dead and our throats will just be filled with action figures. It's like, how did they all get in his throat? I didn't even have a big Vizsla action figure, but it killed me. That's, you know, and you had to go out sometime. That's what I say. Did you think too much about the R5-D4 thing? Because I know that seems like there's been bugging some people where it's like, oh, how's, how, how did all of this happen? And it's like, on one hand, if it doesn't make sense, it's Star Wars. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. But on the other hand, I was getting into into some deep thoughts, like trying to figure out like, oh, if R5 was in the Rebellion? What did he do? Or is he currently one of like? Because didn't three PO have spies? Something, yeah. Like, is he one of is he one of three PO's spies? Where like three PO needed to find spies? And he's like, what about that droid on Tatooine? He's like, my eyes on Tatooine or something. I don't know. There's just so many cool places you can go if you try to figure out how and what R five did with the with the rebellion. Well, if during the time of the original trilogy, if R5 was just there on Tatooine, which could check out, the Rebellion, you know, existed before 
Star Wars, like Rogue One, Andor, R5 could have been on like a Y-Wing or something pre A New Hope and a ship that somehow crashed on Tatooine or something for all we know. Who knows? And the Jawas would have picked them up in the desert or something. Or we know that there's Jawas, off-world Jawas on different planets. Do off-world Jawas trade with other world Jawas and stuff? And anyway, I got this random R5 droid that we found somewhere or something. What, what's R5's history pre-A New Hope? We don't know. Yeah, I think there's there's some good stuff there. And and as crazy as these shows are, I wouldn't put it past them to have an R5-D4 episode where it's just like, here's R5-D4. It's like once we're done getting the Grogu flashbacks, we'll get the R5-D4 flashbacks of his highlights of his career. There's this whole uh, kind of campfire Mandalorian call to arms where Din is asking everyone to fight and perhaps it's time to be in the light again. And the armorer is like anyone else. And then up comes Big Vizsla. And you think Big Vizsla is just going to be a party pooper, is going to rain on the parade. But this Big Vizsla speech is, is really great. The question we should be asking ourselves is why? Why should we lay our lives down yet again? Because we are Mandalorians. I have had my disagreements with this man, but he risked his life to save my son. And Bo-Katan Kreese did not give up on my child's life, even when the rest of us did. These two are asking us to take up arms in the name of a brighter future. And I, for one, will take up arms to fight by their side. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Yep, they're buddies now, and he just wants to help because that's what they do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why. They're Mandalorians, and they stick together. Which is true because, I mean, that's why they helped him in the first season. It was like they were mad at Din and he was mad at him. They had their knife fight, their vibroblade fight, right? And it's like right from the beginning, it's like they doesn't matter if they like each other. They're Mandalorians. They stick together. That's how they survive. And this is no different. And it seems like that's what the armorer is kind of realizing the bigger picture of. Your, that's like Big Viz is right. It's like it doesn't matter if we don't agree with the non-helmet Mandalorians on everything. We're still Mandalorians. We still stick together. And that's how we take back our planet. And they're all like, this is the way and it's party time. And I like that how the, you know, this is the way it's been on like t-shirts and stuff. And it's, it's like a whole thing now, but like, especially in this season and these moments, like this is the way is kind of taking on like a newer, cooler meaning. So I also really, the next whole sequence of, like a montage of everyone getting ready with like a voiceover from Bo-Katan of her laying down the plans and everyone looking at like a hologram of Gorian's ship. Pirate King Gorian Shard is captaining a Cumulus-class Corsair carrying a complement of snub fighters. It has aerial bombardment capabilities. The N1 will distract the Corsair and her snub fighters as we drop in to liberate the planet below. Navarro is an independent planet and no longer under Remnant Imperial or New Republic protection. 
but it's that very independence that makes it appealing for you to settle. You lived there once, hiding in the sewers. But now, you can be heroes. There's, it's always a good time for a for like a training montage with the voiceover and holograms. There's bad times on the Dave Navarro planet. One of my favorite parts of this whole episode, though, is the jerk pirate guys. There's a waiter coming out of some Navarro restaurant, and they, like, kick the tray out of his hand. Again, Death Wish, maybe? Yeah. It is! It's Death Wish 3! It's just those ruffians being mean to the people who live in the town. Yeah, it's so good. It's totally Death Wish 3. Oh, man, this should have been a member of Gorian's gang called the Giggler. Yeah. They killed the Giggler. <laughs> it's, let's take Deathwish 3 and, and cross it with Phantom Menace. We, Blasphemates will be so happy. <laughs> Who thought bringing in the director from Into the Spider-Verse would bring out the, the Deathwish Phantom Menace ma- mashup we always dreamed of? When we awkwardly smiled at John Favreau at the Mandalorian experience and he looked us in the face and kind of smiled back at us. He noticed our t-shirts and went back and he listened to one episode and he's like, man, these guys really like the Phantom Menace and Death Wish 3. I'm going to make one just for them. (laughs) Yeah, we're inside Gorian's ship and there's a little Ugnaught in a sweater. I love, yeah, because the assault is beginning. One of my, again, one of my favorite parts of the episode is when the Mando flies by in the N1 and Gorian says, It's the Mandalorian! It's the Mandalorian! Mandagannos! It's like it's like he's your your uh, your uncle or your aunt that's like visiting and they, they've only heard about the show, but they've never watched it before and they're sitting on the couch and, and they just start yelling, Oh, that's the Mandalorian! I like want that on like a sound box, like a little little thing where I can press a button and every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. when I sit down to watch it, just press the button. It's the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, Disney Plus, that should be the sound it makes when you click on the, the Mandalorian picture to go pick an episode. So yeah, we got the warthog guy with the steering wheel. We got dog people in ships. We got Vane is back. Hello, Mandalorian. Just, yeah, so much daytime on a planet in atmosphere incredible starship action things exploding ships flying into each other mando talking to grief on the phone while he's fighting in his ship grogu just sitting on his lap having the time of his life on the ground we've got a bunch of boba fett's who land doing a bunch of boba fett stuff well, and it's like they're not even just doing normal Boba Fett stuff. They're doing Mandalorian Super Commando stuff. They're like full-on squads doing squad stuff. Yeah, it was making me think of, yeah, Republic Commando, where it's like, okay, you three that way and stuff. Yeah, it's uh. – No, because it, it is funny. It's like I was like, oh, they did actually just like pick – they picked like the really good Mandalorians because I don't know if you noticed. I forgot to mention in the – I think in the shot with R5-D4, there's like the one Mandalorian in the back who's like wearing – looks like like tan khaki pants – and all I can think of is it's like it was the uh, the the Boba Fett guy from like Celebration Two or whatever that was like Boba Fett in khaki shorts, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like they literally have him on the show now, and he's just wearing khaki pants, and it's like they didn't send him to the to Navarro, like he's still back, you know, he's tending to the fires or something. Like they only sent the they sent the really good Mandalorians. He's back on Unknown Planet feeding the dragons. Yeah, There's a bunch of yeah. 
Just a bunch of Boba Fett's shooting at aliens in mass. That's the thing. I was watching and I'm like, it, it's Boba Fett's shooting at a bunch of Return of the Jedi aliens in mass. And this is one of the most popular shows in the world. It's, yeah, Mandalorians shooting at pirates who are Return of the Jedi pirates, which is basically all they are, right? That's what Jabba's, Jabba's buddies were all kind of like pirates. So that's that's what the world needed. It needed more Return of the Jedi. Um, Big Vizsla drops out of the sky, just shooting everybody Jesse Ventura style from Predator. Action, action, action. Uh, I love there's a blinking Trandoshan with like a big Gatlin gun on the top of a building and then... Kind of going back to like, what was it, season one, where you see the armorer coming in with her hammers and the armorer just like gets her beat down going, taking taking them all on. I love that there's the part where she she's not just using the hammer. She's using the, the big pliers, too. And she like grabs the guy with the big pliers <laughs> and then hits him with the hammer. It's like so outrageous. She's fighting with pliers. I kind of want an armor figure now. I never got the armor figure because I was like, I don't even know if I like her. I do like her, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> so, yeah, Shard is uh, firing on the citizens and they shoot down his last engine and Shard goes down. But does he? And Vane gets the heck out of there. He's like, I love you, plant pirate man, but I don't love you that much. I'm out of here. So everything's okay now. I guess everything's okay. And grief gives the land by Bullet Canyon to the Mandalorians. And then we, with the armorer, wants to talk to Bo. Our people have strayed from the way. And it is not enough for a few to walk it. We must walk it together. This is the way. We must walk the way together all Mandalorians I understand I was taught that the Mythosaur existed only in legends and yet you saw it it is a sign that the next age is upon us. Mandalore must all come together. You have walked both worlds. You are the one who can unite us. This is so cool. I'm like, did you think that the armorer was going to take her helmet off? Yeah, there was a second I was like, oh man, she's going to take her helmet off. But then when she didn't, I was like, okay, this makes more sense. <laughs> But I like how ner- how nervous Bo is, where it's like, it's Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan doesn't take any gruff from anyone, but she's like, she's a little intimidated at that point. <laughs> like, is she trying to trick me? But I think as the audience, too, we feel that way. We're just like, what is this? Like, I did not see this coming. It's so great. Yeah, she basically says to Bo-Katan, like, you're the one. You're the one that we have to follow. You're the one that's going to re- unify mandalore you saw the mythosaur i believe you let's do this i think the other thing with all this that it's cool too is it's like that they brought in bo katan and and it makes more sense that it's like okay it makes sense for bo katan to be the one to unify them and and lead them and all that stuff because it always was kind of like didn't seem more like that wasn't what he was interested in like he's not interested in you know uniting the people and, and and leading the mandalorians like he just wants to be 
a space dad. So, and he just kind of, you know, gets caught up in this bigger story, but, you know, similar to kind of how they introduced him as a character too, where he's like, he's not the big star of the universe, right? He's just kind of getting in these situations. And, and I think it, it does make more sense to have Bo-Katan come in and, and continue that role as opposed to putting Din in that position. It's like, even with the Darksaber, it's like he has it, but it's not really, they're still not connecting, right? Like maybe that's not who he's meant to be. The threat against Din and little baby Grogu, though, we're kind of reminded of that again with our little Coda at the end. Because we think after that, like, let's whole we take Mandalore thing. You think that's the end of the episode. No, it's not. Because Carson Tiva is in space and he spots a beautiful Imperial shuttle just floating there in space. There's a big hole in the side. And again, the, the inefficiency of the New Republic, like, oh, the details are classified. <laughs> Like, they know it's out there, but the, you can't access the details. Turns out that was the ship that was taking Gideon to trial. The crew is still on board, but Gideon is not. And there is, what, fragments of Beskar alloy in the back of the ship. And what happened here, kind of this season-long kind of now tease of the eventual return of Moff Gideon, which I, for one, love that they're drawing this out and we're not seeing Gideon and we only have three episodes left. And when Gideon does return, it's going to be like a really big deal. I like it. Well, what's cool too is, I mean, Gideon's always been that way. Like in season one, he didn't really show up until the last episode. And then season two, it was still kind of a tease of, you know, where's Gideon? What's Gideon doing? Like they've, kind of kept him as that kind of villain the whole time where it's like he's out there and he's kind of pulling strings, but you don't necessarily see him until the last minute. And then, yeah, it's a, it has a big impact. You're like, oh, finally, there's Gideon. This is really interesting, though, because the crew is still on the ship. They're like dead, like frozen in space. Gideon was taken out from the ship in space. How did that happen? And... Beskar, fragments of Beskar alloy, and they're like, did Mandalorians take Gideon? It's like there's several options, right? There's either Bo's like old crew, maybe, that have turned against the Mandalorians, which would be weird. Does Gideon have new troops that have Beskar armor? Because you think Gideon is pretty familiar with Mandalorian stuff. I mean, he had the Darksaber, well, and he had the best scar that the uh, the client had to pay Din in the first season, right? They had blocks of Beskar, and Gideon was the one who got all that stuff. So he probably has Beskar if he needs it. Or is it a big trick, and is it not Mandalorians working with Gideon? Is it Sabine, who could be like working with Ahsoka Tano and Gideon might know where Grand Admiral Thrawn is or was it they didn't want Gideon to get to trial because they know how inefficient the New Republic is and nothing's going to happen. Are they doing like cowboy justice, you know, to get Gideon and deal with him their own way? Well, and that I think applies even for the uh, the other Mandalorians that, that were with Bo-Katan before. Like they could have taken him because – they didn't think the new Republic was going to do, give him justice or right. There's, he got rescued. We don't, so we don't know if he got rescued by someone that is an ally of him. We don't know if he got 
captured by someone who wants to want street justice or is the Beskar there to frame Mandalorians so that the New Republic thinks Mandalorians are trouble? There's just, yeah, so many questions coming out of this little tidbit at the end of the episode. Also, I think it's kind of neat thinking back to not this week's Bad Batch, but the week before with Echo and his squad with their little uh, boarding ship that like sucked onto the side of the ship and like drilled a hole into it. Like we've seen that kind of stuff in Star Wars. So it, they don't necessarily have to be in like spacesuits to to go into a ship. It could have been something that like attached to it. And after they got everybody out, then it just left a hole in the ship that killed everybody else. Like there's that kind of stuff we've just recently seen, you know, in Star Wars. So they're really they're really teasing us with the Gideon. But the thing I guess we do know is that the the New Republic is either embarrassed or ashamed or doesn't realize that he's gone and they're not telling anybody. When Carson Tiva has figured it out, uh, he's this like emerging face of the New Republic for the show or he's true spirit of the Rebel Alliance kind of still. And there's only three episodes left. It's terrifying and it kind of bums me out. But we do know... I think that next week is going to be a Bryce Dallas Howard episode, which is always a good thing. And based on the trailers, it's most likely going to be the droid bar episode. And the combination of Bryce Dallas Howard and a bar full of droids is something I don't know if I'm ready for. Yeah, that's the crazy thing, too, that like aside from the droid bar, I think with what we've seen in trailers at this point, we are completely caught up. So the next three episodes is uncharted territory, mostly. Very, very, very exciting. And if there's one thing we've learned from this season is every episode is just ramping up the intensity from the one before it. And things are just getting wilder and crazier and bigger and more explosions and more rubber masks and more drama and more everything. And more Death Wish 3. Who knows? Just need someone to shoot a rocket launcher in an, in an apartment. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the Mandalorians, they got r- wrist rockets and stuff. Yeah. yeah. streets. Then they took it all. But their next target may be their last victim. Charles Bronson, where there is no justice. There can only be vengeance. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. Now playing. Consult your listings. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
All right, everybody, you know the deal with Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this episode, we'd love it if you'd go over there. If you listen on Apple to write something nice about the show, it helps more people find Blast Points when they're looking for Star Wars podcasts. And if you listen on Spotify, you should leave us a five-star review over there, too. And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, with the handy-dandy search feature if you're looking for back episodes. And make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, you should be in our super chill group. Especially going into Celebration, there is going to be tons and tons of information on there and and chit-chat and all kinds of fun, I'm sure. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where pretty soon we're going to have our talk about the other crazy thing that happened on last Wednesday, the Bad Batch Season 2 two-part finale, which is a whole nother thing to talk about. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. That's going to be coming out probably sometime in the very near future. And after all that, and after Celebration Madness, we're going to start doing our Mandalorian Season 3 commentaries over there on the Blast Points Army on Patreon. And yeah, like you were saying, Celebration London is right around the corner. And so is the Blast Points Super Live Celebration coverage, which is looking like it's going to be live streams from my basement every day of celebration. So after the live stream like from London ends, we are going to be starting our super live live streams with the wonderful silver from Star Wars Thrifting and we're going to have special guests stopping by and we have no idea what we're doing or how to do it. So it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be on the edge of your seat excitement. <laughs> so if everything works out well, which it should, you folks watching along on the Blast Points YouTube can comment and we'll be reading your comments. Hopefully if everything works out. Well, I think we can I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I think it'll it's all it's all going to work out. But you might get to see us sweat in real time. It's going to be a ton of fun. Like I said, there's going to be guests, there's going to be giveaways. We might have people calling in from London giving us the the street beat, the the actual word on the street. We got amazing snacks and treats from the UK sent by our friends at Star Wars Sessions. So we're going to be trying like British food. Maybe we'll die. We have like tea cakes and stuff. We don't know. Yeah. But it's going to be so much fun. So look for the link to the Blast Points YouTube in the show notes or just search Blast Points on YouTube and we'll come right up. Subscribe and follow us there so you don't miss a single day of all the fun stuff we have going on for Celebration London coverage. It is coming up really soon. And next week, because all that's going on, our Mandalorian episode that we're going to be doing is going to be extra crazy where we're not going to be doing any editing at all. Maybe just a little bit, but mostly it's going to be like almost like a live episode of Blast Points because next week's kind of a busy week. It's a crazy, crazy week. Yeah. With Mando, Celebration, I got to drive to Michigan. All kinds of fun. But yeah, you can almost think of next week as if we were in London and we were doing a Blast Points live podcast. You're getting our live podcast on, what, next Wednesday night, possibly? Yeah, the closest to hearing us live as you may ever hear us live without hearing us live because the episode will be mostly live. So get ready. If we burp during the episode, it might just stay in there. Who knows? Yeah. So lots and lots to look forward to. 
But until then, thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. mentioned death wish 3 a lot so we're the only star wars podcast that is constantly making death wish 3 references well if any episode justifies it this is very there's a lot of death wish 3 going on in this one may the force be with all of you